Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8 of the Combat Chain Podcast. I am your host, Adam Philipchuk, alongside Pat Shaw. And how's it going, Pat? Adam, it is fantastic to be back. Uh, I'm doing well. Had a good long weekend uh, behind me uh, and ready to do some casting. Nice, nice. Yeah, this week on uh, on the, the, the podcast, we're going to be dipping into some speculations about the the the, uh, moving forward uh but before we get into that uh, as always pat how was uh how was your week in fab oh man uh my week was an interesting one i got a lot of games in and if we're being frank i didn't do well in a lot of them i started out on a i did a commoner blitz armory on Thursday night and uh, I kept with Bravo um, and uh, it just wasn't doing it wasn't doing what I wanted it to do and uh, I ended up going one and three in that so kind of a feels bad uh, for me uh, I've been I have been kind of tracking my XP more and more and going one and three was kind of a eh, uh, moment for me I had a constructed match that was also in a uh, like a month-long league um, and I lost that one uh, to a lightning briar and I was running Bravo um, and it was just uh, uh, I lost my discipline in the match and it cost me in the long run um, when I got to my turn where I thought I could pivot um, I couldn't do enough and they had sideboarded in uh, sigils of suffering and had one in the arsenal ready for me to go and they really needed them to take two cards out of their hand for me to feel good about it and they they blocked with equipment that they had late and i did not uh, they blocked from a card uh, with a card from hand and the uh, defensive reaction uh, from arsenal and i had no cards left to stop the arcane so it uh, stopped my crush effect and that was that was the game and we still had like four more turns to go after that so that wasn't great, uh, but I did end up playing an event Sunday night um, um, with with my Bravo. I, I, I've been playing Bravo this month to get back into the basics and get disciplined. Um, so taking my licks uh, earlier, I went 3-0 uh, Sunday night. Um, I beat uh, Ice Lexi, um, and that felt good. Um, it was close, and then they missed on a three-of-a-kind late, and uh, I responded with a dominated spinal crush to kill them and that felt really good um i played against an oldham um and uh i think they had tried to tech out against bravo they had put in uh they were running skullcap and anothos um instead of crown of seeds and uh winter's whale which i thought was uh kind of odd um but i was able to uh block effectively stay disciplined i i survived two channel lake frigids um, was able to leak damage and set up uh, big turns late and uh, overwhelm them. Uh, and then uh, my round three match there was against uh, an Azalea deck, and I was like, uh, 
was really checking my notes on that one. It's like you're really running Azalea, but we were at, you know both it, we were fighting for three zero, uh, so he's no slouch. Um, I know the guy. He he's been playing Azalea for as long as I've known him, and so he's one of those solid Azalea pilots. Um, and I was able to fatigue him out. Um, it it ran late. Um, he did a lot of neat tricks that I haven't seen a lot of heroes do that made me kind of. Uh, give Azalea another look. Not that I'll build her ever, if we're being honest, but uh, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, a newfound respect uh, for them. And then, um, and then on Monday, uh, you and I uh, participated in uh, the Fighters Guild yeah. uh, armory. We did not cross paths. Um, no, not this week. Um, but um, I made a very last-second decision. Um, I was getting new Briar set up, um, and I made the mistake of uh, <clears throat> I assumed plunder runs were banned in Blitz, even though that we had we had broke the news last week uh, that it was in classic constructed. But I was in you know replacing plunder run mode, um, and so I've been working on a Briar shell, uh, and I wanted to reduce that to a forty card uh, Blitz deck and tried to take out the uh, plunder runs and. Uh, when I realized that the uh, plunder runs were still in there, it screwed at the ratios, and I didn't feel good where it was at. So I happened to have a Prism Herald aggro deck uh, sleeved up and ready to go that uh, has been kind of collecting dust. So I busted that out, um, and I went two and three uh, with Prism, no practice, uh, in about five minutes before the event started. Um, beat out a Kano round one. Um, uh, my my son beat me round two because he woke up and I had to go tend to him, so I had to drop <laughs> the second round match. Uh, and then uh, lost handedly to an ice Lexi and uh, closed it out with a. Um, there's another match in there, but I closed it out with a win against a Dorinthia, uh which felt felt pretty good. Um, there's definitely some having played it before. I mean, I. You know, full disclosure, net deck the crap out of it. Um, uh, did not like what I was doing in some situations. You can definitely tune it. Um, and now that I've had, I'm not afraid to net deck when it comes to uh, testing out a deck. I'll pick a popular thing. If I have the cards, I'll sleeve it up. Um, and I trust someone, you know, someone's list whose name I, I can recognize with the deck and put that together uh, to get a baseline of where that can go before I start tuning it myself. So I have some pretty good ideas where I could take that. I don't know if I will stick with Prism, but now that I've got it, you know, sleeved up and I've played a couple games with it, I'll probably hold on to that and Blitz for a little bit, see how it goes while I'm still, you know, brainstorming. Uh, my briar trying to make it work post ban um but that uh that is my week in fab uh in a nutshell how about yours uh my week was not bad uh some ups and downs like yours um had a uh a couple local events um had a cc event on uh wednesday last week so the day after we recorded went uh Two one in managed to get yeah one last hurrah in on my historic on my not my historic my uh, my hybrid uh, briar list. Um, Are you you're the number one uh, player in Canada? Everything that you do at this point is historic. 
So don't, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, I was just thinking I've been still playing uh, when I've got nothing better to do, uh, playing a ton of Arena, and uh, Historic's one of the formats on there, so that's where my mind went there for some reason. Uh <laughs> Thursday had a what was my night to bomb uh played in a, a we did a tails draft and uh tried something different tried to draft uh in earth briar and uh I ended up uh I didn't have as many bramble sparks as I I would have liked and then I I put a lot of stake actually there was a couple cards that stood out to me and that I'm actually messing around with in in uh, constructed now constructed formats uh explosive growth being the main one and then uh stir the wildwoods Mm -hmm. as well uh but uh i ended up putting a little too much stake in uh rights of replenishment drafted a whole bunch of those and uh that one just doesn't that one doesn't go the distance um uh, on on the surface the idea of like tucking cards back on, into your deck and recycling cards. I thought that sounded really good, but then once you realize that it doesn't it, it's not like an unconditional if you deal arcane damage um, its effect is active. It's when it's played if it's if you've dealt arcane damage that turn, you get the effect and that makes it yep. just a lot worse. Bramble Spark can't trigger it and um, yeah I just couldn't really muster up interesting brambles park doesn't trigger it hmm. yeah just because for some reason i thought it did no just because i think when because rights of replenishment specifically reads uh now i gotta pull it up right uh, let's, let's bring up the card right of rip. so it reads when you attack with rights of replenishment, if you've dealt arcane damage this turn, you may put a non-attack action card from your uh, graveyard on the bottom of your deck. And I believe because of it, it, the key, the key uh, when you attack, uh, the card's checking to see at the time when the attack's declared if um, the arcane damage has happened and Bramble Sparks dealing the arcane damage at that same time. And then I believe the resolution of the arcane damage would come after when rights of replenishment is checking to see if that's um if that that arcane damage has occurred i could very well be wrong uh, i'm not a judge um but i'm not saying you're wrong and i'm not a judge either but i believe that if you control both triggers you control the order in which they go oh that's so a good point i think rights is a little better then you let it be. Uh, hmm. I do think it works the way that you want it to. But, uh, like I said, I'm not a judge. You actually, but, you might be right. All right, not to throw a monkey wrench in there, but I'm pretty sure it does work exactly like you want it to. Huh, if you're right, then that... I still don't think it would have been enough to uh, to make the difference um in the the deck i was playing that uh in that draft because um, what i what i think i really needed at the time was like cards that pumped themselves i needed more stir the wildwoods and i needed more explosive growths and i only had i think one explosive growth and like two stir the wildwoods or maybe three stir the wildwoods so mm-hmm. but um, you could very well be right about the um 
Yeah, because if if you're on on Judge Hub, uh, there are a couple examples where that is where that is the case. I have somebody, I have a Josh Scott out of New Zealand. When you attack, uh, the when you attack triggered ability is triggered by the attack event. In the example described, when you attack, if you have dealt arcane damage, will still trigger because at the time the attack event occurs, the trigger condition is not dependent on the arcane damage having been dealt. The turn player may order the arcane damage trigger from Bramble Spark to resolve first, which means that that which means that when the rights of replenishment trigger resolves, it will then check the if condition, and you've successfully dealt damage from the Bramble Spark trigger, you may put a non-attack action card from the graveyard on the bottom of your deck. Okay. There we go. So I had it wrong. Um, and that is good to know. I'm glad we cleared that up right here. Um, I was actually just pulling up the release notes here to see if that touches on it as well, but... Um, I do have some uh, I'm interested because I have never done a tales draft um, so how, how many uh, how many people were in the pod was it a full eight person pod in your oh, draft we had six in ours what were you you're pretty experienced drafter right uh, so so um, I've got a few dozen flesh and blood drafts under my belt now I'd say um, I, I definitely wouldn't say I'm a seasoned drafter but I've I've got some experience, I guess, reading signals at this point. I, I think I'm I'm starting to be able to read my seat and yeah, be able what to was, go ahead. What was your um well I'm 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 interested to dig in a little on the on the on the draft a little bit. For sure. I know we're we don't have to go into a full tails primer here, but just uh you know, this is this is a good good thing uh to to discuss i'm interested in draft so where were you uh what was your pack one pick one oh boy that's a good question you know what i've actually got the deck still sitting on my desk here let's take a look at it let me see if i can i've picked i've pulled out like one or two cards that i needed in a pinch but i should be able to Break down. Let me ask you this while you're while you're looking at it. What what hero did you end up with? I was on you Earth ended Briar. up with a Briar, right? Yeah, yeah Earth Briar. Um, were you uh, so was were you sold on Earth Briar early? Did you did you find yourself like right so in the my, middle of Earth Briar? My as, my as pack one pick one was um, Sutcliffe Suede Hides. Okay. Yep. And I, I'm usually keen to pick equipment early. Um, I don't like picking, I, I don't like picking a ton of equipment because then it cuts down on your playables. Um, one big thing where, like, flesh and blood drafting is different than magic is like, magic. You're drafting 45 cards that, in theory, can go in your deck. In flesh and blood, you're drafting both equipment and playables, so you have to be mindful of drafting enough playables to have cards to play in your deck. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm always I, I used to experiment with taking more equipment and trying to get a, a full suite of equipment in 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 limited, and I don't anymore. I try to pick. Mm-hmm. Powerhouses as I see them, like deep blue is a is a huge right, that's pick. like that that's a that's a auto snap snap pick oh call yeah it, easy right? yeah. easy easy and uh, i think like i mean Sutcliffe's. i think are 
because those first five picks in the draft are kind of like your if I get to play this card I'm very happy but if I have to cut this card so be it um, mm-hmm. and I think Sutcliffe's is a good enough condi- like a good enough effect that it's worth an early pick um Mm-hmm. To the, to the contrary though, like I mean, if I if I'm absolutely sold on not wanting to play Briar, if I pass a Sutcliffe's pack one, pick one, um, that's going to send a pretty strong signal to whoever's sitting to my right, and mm-hmm. um, that might push them into Briar, and then that leaves um, that leaves uh, in pack two a little more open space for me to then maybe get. Uh, either lightning cards for for a Lexi deck or lightning cards or not lightning uh, earth cards for uh, for an old him deck. So yeah, um, I mean there's there there's two ways of looking at that one. But that was my yeah Sutcliffe pack one pick one. Uh, how many? Uh, I suppose at the at the end of the draft, uh, how many other briars were there? Did do you feel like your briar pool was deep? Do you feel like it could have been better, but it was best available? Um, we had. How did, how did you feel the signals were, were we had, as you were drafting? I mean, I I got pretty strong signals that there was no lightning right away, and I found out after the fact that I believe there was, there was one, uh, there was one other briar who went hard lightning, and then there was mm-hmm. I think, if I remember correctly, actually I think it was a pretty even split. We had two old hymns, two uh, briars, and two lexies. And uh, so, like, the lightning between the two Lexis and the other Briar, the lightning was gone right away, and I knew there was no lightning at the table. Uh, and so it was kind of between the, the early Sutcliffs and then seeing an abundance of Earth cards right away, um, that's where I was like, you know what, let's let's try out Earth Briar and let's see how that plays. Because uh, I know, like, Bramble Spark fused into really anything is a pretty powerful uh, combination on its own. Um, mm-hmm. And then if you can like Bramble Spark into Stir the Wildwoods, fuse both. Uh, like Stir the Wildwoods yep. is getting plus two, plus four. Uh, if it's a red Bramble Spark, plus seven right away. Even like a blue Stir the Wildwoods then comes in for three, five, seven, eight, nine, ten. Like that's raising numbers. That's pretty good already. Um, if you were able to get some tempo and double bramble spark into something now you've got to go again like i think i identified out of that a dream sequence of bramble spark bramble spark uh, of course this is all fused uh bramble spark bramble spark uh explosive growth into sword um yeah yeah and uh you get plus plus one plus one plus one plus one plus four total plus four on the sword attack yep so that's 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 pretty good numbers right there now that is all contingent on things hitting um which in 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 limited tales of aria there really isn't uh, automatic at that point unless you have unless you're old him or you have heart of ice uh those are really the only uh ways to prevent arcane damage um so it's a super powerful combo in limited um in cc or in constructed formats um still i think a decent combo for pushing damage you're either gonna with the exception of a blue heavy deck uh a guardian probably um you're gonna either push damage or you're gonna you're gonna pull some cards out of their hand regardless and i think you're i mean i'm Mm -hmm. happy with either um 
I think there's some yep. debate. I had I had a conversation. There's some debate as to like what if it's like what the the true return on value is. Maybe it's not as high as I'm thinking it is. Um, it's certainly something I need to test out more to uh, to really figure out like how happy I am with explosive growth. But on the surface, I think it's a, a killer card. Yeah, I agree. I've been looking at explosive growth uh, as well as a. Um, potential setup of force of nature yeah i won't get into too much more oh that might be good to feel all my spice but it does uh buff attacks for the rest of the turn uh the for the rest of the the chain chain. on the chain rest of the chain 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 um either way it's uh it's long it's more than just the next attack so you have some potential of force of nature and buffed attacks at that point but the um, the stars have to will still align enough to uh, extend some attacks. You got to extend that combat chain. Yeah. Um, but it is a uh, it does buff. Uh, yeah. Plus one. Uh, this combat chain. So you like you said with your fused pramble spark into explosive growth. Uh, all of a sudden you're looking at uh, an extra. Uh, you know two two to three depending on what leak leaks through uh, for the rest of your. Uh, attacks and all of a sudden you got a channel mount heroic uh <laughs> and it's uh it's a rare uh and it costs one instead of three and that's, yeah. that's pretty good that's pretty good odds right there yeah and that's where i was like even like to go back to like the double bramble spark into explosive growth into sword um that's technically a two resource turn mm-hmm. um yeah absolutely now you're but still i've uh i have i have sidetracked you way too much for you we can <laughs> We can flesh and blood. Okay, I'll wrap it up quickly. Uh, so after the the draft night, um, managed to redeem myself on a three zero on Prism uh, CC. So that was cool, and then finished off uh, the week with uh, uh, a two three performance at the Fighters Guild uh, on Kano. Um, I'm trying out um, trying out some slightly different things in Kano. So I'm uh, I got to learn the lines a little bit differently now. Just having recently gotten my hands on an eye, I'm now able to run Brendan Patrick's list, and I'm I'm just curious to see to see what Brendan Pat like. I mean, uh, if anybody doesn't know, he ran he did the the hundred games of Kano to like truly truly like masterclass the 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 hero and. Yeah, I just kind of want to see what he's seeing, figure out why he's running the list the way he is. Um, I have some cards that I actually prefer compared to some things he's running, and I have some other cards that like he's running that I'm like I actually really like. So I'm trying to maybe off of what he's got going on, then I'll settle on to what I like uh, for my Kano build. Uh, and then today, uh, earlier today, actually played in. Uh, oh, geez. It's a European event. Uh, the organized play dot. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Those guys. Um, it's at it's at exactly the wrong time for me, or else I would have been in there as well. Yeah, you because you've got those doctor's office hours. You're on what Monday to Friday, <laughs> nine to five type deal. Yep, yep. I'm a I'm an office guy. So. You know what though? There's. It, it, it's nice to be because I'm I'm a shift worker, and it's nice to be able to uh to pop into weekly events that like happen all over the world at different times but on the flip side you're able to I, like 
with the the inconsistencies in my schedule you're able to at least like map out your week a little bit better and there, there's after almost 10 years of shift work there's something to be said about like the the, the beauty of consistency uh so <laughs> yeah i'm not going to disagree with you there um and there is a uh not to uh um, well, yeah. Uh, so there's a guy on, uh, he's a content creator named uh, Kugani Gaming. You're yes, familiar with yes, him? yes. Um, he's assembled, um, I, full disclosure, uh, am a member of his uh, subscriber of his Patreon. I love supporting other content creators. Um, and uh, one of his, uh, one of his Patreon perks is a Google Calendar that lists all uh, international armories and the dates and links and hmm. uh, all that stuff uh, definitely worth uh, checking out um, uh, for those who have the time uh, I have heard of this calendar but it has it's all international events uh, and uh, it's it's a, a, a must have for the XP grinders especially if you have if you have a you know if you have a variable schedule it's great to be able to uh look at that and pick out oh yeah you know there's there's a bunch that happened for me they would happen like smack dab in the middle of the day what i can't pick up but uh he's constantly updating that and it's a good uh it's a good resource um for for those who want to get in those online armories and grind that xp yeah kugani's been grinding the scene for a, a while i think he's he's top where is he He's actually got a pretty impressive. He's yeah, top fifty he's for sure. He does. He does a lot. Uh, he does a lot for the game. A lot of kind. And he called the bands pretty accurately. Did he? Yeah. Yeah. He did. It, um, it was pretty. He's he's been talking about plunder run and, and ball lightning for a long time. Um, yeah. Pl- and, uh, he nailed, he 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 was he was talking about that he was talking specifically ball lightning i told him he was crazy about ball lightning um but he was like no it's a problem and it needs to get banned and he was saying that i don't at this point it was almost like uh i feel like it was like six weeks ago and he was like this needs to go and uh and then the bands came out and i was like well look at that <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like if you put your full time into it and do all the testing and uh, assemble all the data you might know what you're talking about yeah so cheers yeah. to him no he he's seeing something that uh that even i wasn't seeing then because like plunder run i i knew as well but um yeah to i ball lightning wasn't on my radar so uh kudos to him but yeah that's uh weeks in flesh and blood uh quickly here um Pat, why don't you uh, rattle us through uh, the news for the week? The news. Let's do it. All right. First, we're going to talk about uh, LSS announcing the ProQuest season. So it's been kind of the worst kept secret that uh, ProQuest season is going to start. Um, Stores have been listing their events. They've been getting ready to go. But uh, they have been – I've talked to a number of LGSs that said they were were prevented from actually, like, posting uh, those events for registration until the official reveal on the 12th. Uh, which ended up being the 13th in New Zealand time. Um, but they have announced the 2022 inaugural season of in-store ProQuest events. Uh, to date, the 
Uh, so I'm I'm rattling this right off the website. So today, the only way to play uh, in ProQuest event has been to be part of the Calling series in the national championships. With the start of the new year, however, we're launching ProQuest in local game stores worldwide, providing the community around the world with an opportunity to qualify for the Flesh and Blood Pro Tour series coming later this year. ProQuest events will be hosted at local game stores worldwide running from February 19th to March 13th. This classic constructed event series is open to all players and will feature a number of prizes, with the winner claiming their invitation to the first Pro Tour, taking place in North America in the middle of this year. So that's that's a, a lot to unpack right there. Um, it continues, it talks about the prizes. Um, Prizes, one Pro Tour invite awarded to the winner of each event, or the losing finalist if the winner is already qualified via another in-store ProQuest event, one random drop gold cold foil awarded to the winner of each event, two ProQuest playmats awarded to the finalists at each event, and seven random adult cold foil heroes awarded to the top eight players, excluding the winner. Uh, prizes will also be awarded to judges at these events, including Extended Art Rainbow Foil Wartoon Herald Judge Promos and two People's Champion Playmats to be awarded at the tournament organizer's discretion. Uh, over 250 ProQuest events will be taking place worldwide through the course of the season. A full list of all the events is available in our event finder or on the map below. Um, it continues and talks about Battle Hardened. I think this is super interesting. With ProQuest moving to become an in-store program of play, we'll also be making some changes to our other event structures. Previously, day two of the calling events had featured ProQuest events, but for 2022, these events are now going to be renamed as Battle Hardened events. Battle Hardened events in 2022 will be import importantly different from in-store ProQuest events in that the prize pools are considerably larger that than for in-store events and winners receive a pti that can be redeemed for entry into any future professional event that requires an invitation such as your country's national championships any future pro tour or the world championships by contrast in-store ProQuest winners receive invitations that are valid only for the upcoming pro tour and the invitation will expire if it is not used for the specific pro tour that they are qualified for uh, we've got announcements coming up soon regarding upcoming battle hardened events which we'll be excited to share with you um the oh. plane so there's a lot going on right there um the big takeaways for me um are that uh there's a pro tour event taking place in north america in the middle of this year and it'll be the first pro tour event if uh, if you win an event in this in-store ProQuest season, you're going to get your invite to that specific event. Um, so uh, I think that definitely weighs on people, I would say, outside of North America. There are a bunch happening uh, all in Europe and in Asia. And um, if they're playing those ProQuest events, they're going to start, start weighing their travel considerations uh, for that. And even, you know, for me, I'm in the Northeast, depending on where that Pro Tour event takes place, uh, you know, in timing, you know, I got to consider, um, you know, how I'm getting there and when or if I'm getting there. So, you know, these in-store pro, uh, pro PTIs are one of those uh, uh, ProQuest events, rather, are, uh, you know, you're kind of weighing the the invite to the next pro tour event or your gold foil uh card at that point it seems yeah uh, 
And the and the battle harden I think is super intriguing because if if this is laid out the same way, if you go to a calling and uh, LSS has previously stated that they're going to have thirty plus callings in twenty twenty two, I haven't heard anything about them uh, lately, but presumably. Uh, every calling would have a battle harden like they've had a pro quest in day two and if you win your battle harden event day two you you might have just won your trip to the world championship yeah and that's 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 pretty good uh incentive um if it's if it's day two um how many people are gonna drop <laughs> you know drop their calling uh you know day two calling if they're in you know 63rd uh you know riding the outskirts of day two uh mathematically eliminated from top eight but still playing for prize money you know something along those lines uh i think if i were in that that place i definitely want to be playing for a world championship uh invite more than a uh uh you know max top 16 or you know whatever the math ends up being uh for that well i believe what do you think i believe lss has changed kind of how some of the elo stuff is weighted to Mm -hmm. um to incentivize people to like stick around in that day too even if they're um even if they're mathematically eliminated from Mm -hmm. chance of making top eight um and to to actually be able to touch on this from experience because I think like making day two oh if because like remember at Vegas um the cut to day two was sixty four but then the cut to cash out prizes was top thirty two and above and if you wanted a shot at that cash prize even like a, a smaller cash prize like the two fifty or five hundred U S or whatever you had to stick around and play. Um, and yes. that was my yes. experience in nationals as well. And uh, so they, they've tucked in some little incentives to try to keep people to stick around and, and play those day two games. And I I hope as time progresses, they change kind of like some of the, the tiebreaker system to maybe make, make top eight a little more achievable for anybody who's... Um, who's made day two uh to to further incentivize people to stick around and uh but but for sure uh there's uh with with um with the 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 battle hardens now on day two of any calling there's certainly a lot of incentive to also try and and play out in that field and uh if you're not in a top position going into day two of a calling yeah, why not? Um, just have a clean slate and try again. Absolutely. Uh, now, uh, do you know how many are you? Um, how many proquests do you think you, you'll be playing this season? Um, I'm. I'm actually due to some changes in schedule. I'm actually possibly able to attend as many as four. Because uh, we've got, I've got a local one in in my hometown here in Edmonton. Uh, I've got one just three hours south in Calgary, um, and then in Saskatchewan. So that's just one province over uh, Saskatchewan. That's uh, Estevan, Saskatchewan, which is pretty much on the the American border. Uh, that's going to be about a ten hour drive, but Ooh, I think a lot. I think a lot of that one's worth it because 
I don't think anybody else is going to be bothered to make that drive. So that's kind of like, that one's like my, I, I'm kind of counting that one as my shoe in, I guess. I don't know if yeah, I, it's, it's okay to say that. In the hole yeah. is the, the, the low attended in-store event. But then I like it. There's also in uh, beautiful, balmy Winnipeg. Uh, there's one, and it was originally supposed to be the day after Calgary, but now Calgary changed their date for um, citing COVID reasons. They're pushing it back later in the month, and, mm-hmm. or it, I think to early March. And so February 20th in Winnipeg um, is, is kind of like, uh, it's a wide open weekend. So I'm now, that that's kind of the, 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 the schedule change is what's maybe allowing me to attend up to four. Um, so now it's just mm-hmm. a matter mm-hmm. of, how much driving do I feel like doing? Because Winnipeg, I think, is a 12-hour drive, something like that. You love flesh and blood. I appreciate that about you. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, maybe maybe it's not even a love, but just like a, an obsession. I don't know. I feel that. Um, what about you? Four, but, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I have one weekend. I've got two in that weekend, one Saturday and one Sunday. Um I registered as soon as I could for the Saturday one. The Saturday, the Sunday one does not currently have a player cap. I've been in touch with the game store, and uh, doesn't seem like that'll be an issue. And as soon as they do, well, if it becomes an issue, I'm gonna register for that. But yeah. my my life uh, and time allow for um, just those, and uh, <clears throat> I could uh, it it's either ignore my wife's birthday and play a couple. Um, and a couple more or stay married and, and uh live uh, to see another in, day yeah live to live to see another day and play two in a weekend that is not already booked um so two's still pretty good uh, one yeah two's two's good i like the i like the one weekend it gives me uh like a very clear focal point um when it comes to the play testing um i gonna have uh some time you know, so so I have I have a date. I have like a peak date, right? So if you do any other kind of competing, if you ever done like racing or anything like that, you want to peak at the right time. Yeah. So I've I've got uh you know I've got a timeline for this uh, you know for for the play testing, uh for when I I need to be really at the top of my game, uh so I can really hone in uh towards that that goal um the times are pretty reasonable too i think one of them is at uh fires off at 11 a.m my time and the one the next day fires off at 1 p.m uh uh the next day so uh, no crazy late nights even if i uh manage to squeak one out or get into a top eight um and i'm gonna be able to kind of take that information from the first day and hopefully i'm not too mentally drained and i can i can kind of leverage what i learned in day one into day two and uh see if i can uh turn it around i'm being realistic with my aspirations though i you know a pro tour invite is is great um but uh i'm 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 shooting for shooting for a cold foil fair enough cold foil because a top aided that's that's great if i can get a pti it's gravy so um, as we get closer, if I feel better, we'll, we'll see if I raise those raise those goals a little bit. Um, but that's that's my plan for the ProQuest. Hey, you know what? There's there's nothing wrong with having realistic goals as well. I think um, within anything, it's important to be uh, to, to set reasonable expectations. Um, I know and, I've certain have a 
I'm not to cut you off. Oh, go ahead. There is a I got I got used to some high level play playing online with everybody. Um, it is a murderer's row in the Northeast. There are a few guys that are just killers. Um, the uh, I got a big chunk of the hyperloopers around here. Um, okay. And um, and a couple other guys. Uh, New Hampshire's got a small but very concentrated high level um, group. Um, I've had to face them a few times uh, in skirmish and such, and uh, it's really tough. Um, there's a couple guys from Western Massachusetts that are super high level, and uh, like I said, some of the hyperloopers they come they come up from New Jersey. Um, those that are coming from there, um, they they come into Massachusetts to play some of the events, and uh, some guys on the hyperloopers are from Mass. Um, um, there's a chain player. He's top. He's one of the top chain players in the world. Uh, Joe Cologne. Oh yeah, I've seen his um, name on the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's around here, um, and uh, you know just uh, one of several names I'm, I'm looking out for. So I uh, definitely have my work cut out for me, no matter what. Yeah, and I mean, but yeah, so, even here, yeah, I, it's. Even. For the most part, like I don't know of any strong player base, or I shouldn't say, I don't know of any player base in Saskatchewan or Manitoba for the most part. So that's kind of why I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, I don't know what to expect for those events. Maybe they could be, I, I don't, I don't like using the word soft field, um, but maybe they could be easier events. Uh, but um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like here, uh, I expect, especially for the Calgary event, um, there's some strong guys in British Columbia that I expect to come down for, for Calgary and possibly Edmonton. Um, and uh, that's, those are going to be, I, I'm going to have my work cut out for me at those events as well. So um, yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. it's important mm-hmm. to go into this pro quest. I, I do, I have set out this little personal goal to be on the first the first pro tour but i think to your point it is important to have like reasonable expectations and not not try to bite off more than i can handle i guess yeah yeah completely and it's still um i would say you know especially when it comes to that kind of like you you know goal setting in a competitive competitive environment is is relative right um if if we compare and contrast ourselves, I would say that your your pedigree is a bit higher than mine. So your goals would be uh, proportionately higher than than mine. And you know, as we discussed last week in my introduction, I kind of you know I like to consider myself a bit of an up and coming uh, uh, player. But uh, you know, not to sell myself short, but uh, you know, progressive goals over time uh you know I've, I've done well in smaller events this would be my first really larger scale event and um so setting those goals i like to you know topping you know top aiding one of these is going to be uh super difficult and um being able to do that is is a challenge into itself and i think that'll uh getting there will definitely drive um and motivate me to to you know play my best and i'd like to you know uh 
what I'm trying to say is is that um, you know I do have I have I have goals uh, set for the ProQuest ProQuest season is going to be my first uh, large scale effort with a protesting uh, a playtesting team and I you know I set my goals uh, relative to I think my progress as as we go um, I do think that this does the the ProQuest season is going to open up uh, some opportunities uh, in the calling season, which I believe will be coming up, you know, COVID, you know, allowing, yeah. um, you know, they're supposed to be like, I said, there's, there's 30 ish calling events coming up uh, in 2022. If, if they're happening, um, I'd like to think that a lot of those are drivable for me and those would be fun to, to get into uh, having watched, you know, watching the stream uh, with Vegas and Dallas and Cincinnati was really fun uh, and interesting, you know, getting, getting into one of those, getting on camera, being on a featured table because I've done well into, into the competition uh, something I'd like to achieve, you know, things of that nature. For sure. Um, but, you know, pro the pro quest season is really kicking that off for me in 2022. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think pro quest season is going to be a huge opportunity for a lot of people to kind of showcase and, and test their metal and see exactly where they, they stand. Um, I, I know like Vegas was my opportunity to kind of be like, okay, I, I know where I stand in comparison to, to a lot of other players and kind of get an idea of just how good the community is. And I know I've since been able to step up my game, um, testing more and trying to just understand the game better than I, I did at the point then. So that's why I am as hopeful as I am for the pro quest season. Um, we went on another tangent there. Uh, we, uh, I'm sorry. It's it, I'm it, notorious for it. I'm it gonna, is. I'm going to be dragging you around all over the place. You know what? I think this. it's fine. I think it makes for great conversation, but we had uh, one more thing in the news. Um, we had, uh, some, some Twitter, uh, some interesting things on Twitter. Yes. Well, before before that, we're just going to touch base re- real quickly. February Armory Kit, yes, uh, comes out. Uh, Icelander is the the cold foil hero. So I think two things. Icelander's the cold foil hero. When she was previewed, she was previewed uh, as a majestic hero. Um, I think if you put uh, start connecting the dots. I think Valda will be released as a majestic hero as well, and I thought Valda was. We're... Oh, we I guess we never got Valda teased at her rarity. We only saw her as the no. cold foil. No. Yeah, yeah, only as the promo, right? As the as the armory top right. prize. Um, so I would not be shocked. Right, we're going to put our tinfoil hats on. Uh, I would not be shocked to see Valda as majestic, and this is likely a cycle of heroes at the majestic level um so if you count the number of majestics in everfest you know and we might dive into that in a later thing but um you might be able to set aside nine of those maybe into heroes um you think as uh, many as very interesting uh, possibly because for for Um, crucible we had six heroes that we got and that's why my money was on six again. What's the over under then? You know, say yeah, that's seven a good and a half. Seven, seven and a half. I'll take I'll take the over on seven and a half. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Icelander is the cold foil uh, February armory kit 
uh, prize. Uh, Macho Grande featuring, uh, featuring uh, my picture is the rainbow foil extended art. Uh, and uh, the Icelander playmat, which looks just amazing, mm-hmm. uh, is the the playmat uh, prize for the People's Champion. Um, and there's a poster for the Armory event that has uh, a jester. Looks a lot like a dressed up Dash. Uh, seen some some deep deep internet analysis on that. And Does it? I gotta go look at that now. Uh, yeah, right. Well, now you can't unsee it, right? That's only Dash now, but uh, does look a little, little like Dash. So curious if it is. Um, but that is the February Armory kit from February first uh, to February. February. Let's see, twenty eighth. Just making sure it's not a twenty ninth. Um, so those are your armory kit rewards at your locals and online uh, armories, and that is it for um, that's that's it for the armory kit news. Uh, so uh, the flesh and blood Twitter uh, on the sixteenth started just throwing just unpinning grenades and throwing them out in the wild uh, by posting some tweezer uh, some tweezers. Uh, <laughs> posting some teaser tweets um, out from their uh, Twitter handle at FabTCG. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna quickly run run through these and you know we'll kind of lightning round it. Let me let me know, Adam, the first thing that comes to mind Kay. when I say what they posted, alright? Alright, the first one, the earliest one. A card with a type that hasn't previously existed for its class. Okay, I remember seeing this one. Immediately I thought somebody's getting something like an instant that they, they've never had before. So um, right off the bat, who's never had an instant? Uh, I For some reason... I had to do this thinking myself. I, I think... Dor- I don't think Warriors have it. Uh, I think Dorinthia hasn't had an instant. I don't think Reinar. Reinar's got... Uh, Arg Smash, I think that, and Bonehead Barrier are both instants. Is it an instant, or I thought Bonehead was a defensive reaction? Pretty sure. All right. I'm checking right now. Uh, Reinar, instant, or sorry, Brute instant. You're right. Brute's got Bonehead I'm, Barrier. Okay. I'm the most wrong. Okay. Uh, Guardian definitely does. Yeah, I feel like does mechanologist have an instant mechanologist doesn't have an instant mech doesn't have an instant interesting uh what about e- no i don't think there is any for ninja no no instance for ninja uh mm, uh, that's that's tasty for me i'm not gonna lie that the could be really cool ninja instant uh, all right right so that, that gets the brain brewing a little bit all right Real quick, real quick. What do you got? What do you think it is? No thinking. Off the top of your head. For the uh, the the card type. Card type. Yep. Card with the type that hasn't been and the class. What what class? What class? Uh, what type? I I for some reason my gut goes with mech instant. Mech instant. I'm gonna go with wizard attack. Oh, that'd be interesting as well. That'd be really interesting. All right. Here we go. Next one one new keyword that appears four times 
that's that could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got to be something in relation to the carnival, though. Um, like it's going to be something like fanfare or uh, exclamative joy, or I don't know, something where it's going to be like carnivaly. I think. I'm I'm going to be honest. If it is something like that, I think that'll be. Just terrible. I don't want. Oh, I don't really? Wanna, I don't want to play with. I don't want to play with weirdly carnival themed cards for the rest of my well, life. It won't be like game. weird I something. I don't think it'll be like super weird card, but it'll be like because like so far we've seen things like like Cokes of Commotion, for example, is a card that like it, it's a trigger that like impacts everyone, and like this rounds mm-hmm. on me as a trigger that impacts everyone, and I think like it's going to yeah. be a keyword that's going to be a trigger that impacts everyone, and it's like the name I think is going to be called the keyword itself is going to be something i think like thematically themed around the carnival um but i i don't think it's gonna be like a cheesy carnival effect i think it's just gonna be like a uh an effect that like mutually benefits everyone yeah yeah all right all right next one we have a way to destroy your own equipment and weapons uh, this one my question right away is what's what benefit could there be to destroying your own equipment like what's the if you're losing something what are you gaining real good benefit exactly super good it's super nice like a win condition or it has to be right it's got to be a win con it has to be a super powerful on hit effect of some kind um what else could it do it could draw you cards um, I don't think go again is worth destroying your equipment depending on what it is because sometimes go again destroys your equipment anyways. Yeah. Um, but that is definitely interesting. Um, my hot take on this is that you're going to have a new ninja and it's going to throw stuff and you're going to be able to destroy a token level throw thrown weapon to some sort of automatic, you know, one damage, you know, destroy throwing star, deal one damage. Uh, hmm. you know, ninja who throws throwing stars, you know, puts throwing star in equipment slot when this condition is met. Okay, and you can have you can have uh, as many, you know, one hit uh, destroying throwing stars as you can you can handle uh, during the game. You can load it up an unlimited amount of times. Interesting. I mean, you know, once per turn or something like that. But that's that's my that's my spicy hot take for that. I think a ninja is going to have a thrown weapon that you can destroy to replicate its being thrown. Okay, that that could be really cool. Um, my my one caution right there is though i i think of a ninja star or throwing star and i think of that kind of the same way as like an arrow and arrows right now are attack action so i would see like thematically uh, and with what lss mm-hmm. has done traditionally i would see like a just a, a in particular like a throwing star as a an attack action but i i definitely could see kind of what you're you're talking about with like some sort of yeah um one-time use weapon or one well, i mean we've even kind of seen that with talishar already like you can swing with it three times it gets the three rust counters once you lose it it's gone um to take weapon speculation even a step further what do you think about a legendary weapon i think it's very interesting um i've heard about this i you know i will say that if, if there is a legendary weapon 
really hope it's not a room blade weapon. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think we can take that kind of insanity at this point. Um, we- there is. I wouldn't be shocked if there. There's been a lot of spec about like a bard class. I think and Bard is going to be the legendary if, hero. This this club. Yeah, set. right. If there's if there's majestic level heroes, there's there's definitely going to be another legendary outside of Shiana, guaranteed. Um, and you know it it might be the Bard in his what do they call him? Loots. Yep, a loot. A loot. A Bard's loot. Uh, Legendary. I don't know what you would do with it. That's the the one thing about the bard class is I don't know what you would do with it. I know like in D and D settings, it does a lot of charming and seducing and things of that nature. I, I have a lot of trouble translating bard into flesh and blood. That's a, that's been a big hiccup for me when it comes to embracing the idea of a bard class. There are a lot of interesting classes that have not been explored yet. Um, in the lore book um i wonder if i can bust out the symbols right now but there is like uh it mentions an assassin yeah a cleric um necromancer i think's other, in there yeah some other crazy stuff like that like i am all about uh a ninja assassin hero or like a shadow assassin that'd what? be cool crazy so good just the idea of that is is makes my mind blow it's it's a great thing do you think we see a new class in everfest um i mean i mean if we see bard that i think that counts um i guess yeah it would be nice to see something like that um i would i would i would definitely like to see the introduction or at least the the, the real tangible hint of a new class um to show that they have those you know that they're they're thinking about it yeah. Right. And they like to throw in those those kind of Easter eggs with some of their stuff anyways. You know, they've I you know, the legendary weapon could also be stalagmite. Is that what it's called? Stalagmite, stalactite. <laughs> some the, Yeah, the that the Bastion. The K the yeah, Bastion of uh, the Oldham's shield there that uh is mentioned in lore but not it, it is in fact not the ram's head yeah the one we Bastion see of eisenloft we see the picture of in or we see in his um in his hero art yeah right that shield that would be interesting um uh something along those lines uh but i do think uh it's it'd be nice uh i hope it doesn't uh, break the game and um want to you know drive drive like an insane price and all that stuff that makes things like that toxic but yeah um it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, what about the destroying your own equipment is is still still kind of tough right you really yeah. gotta you really gotta want it um but there are i mean there's there's things in there like um i always use ninja for that kind of stuff right Nin- ninja is terrible at blocking and I, I hope, and we're about to explore a little uh, in, in the next tweet here, but, um, you know, if I had the opportunity to destroy my breaking scales for something better, you know, in effect better than breaking scales, probably do it. Uh, so if you had if you had the right equipment, maybe incentivizes using a suite of common equipment instead of your legendaries, and you don't feel as bad breaking common equipment for a game-winning effect as you would trying to break your skull cap. 
uh, things of that nature. So maybe they have something in there that incentivizes common equipment, which makes the game more accessible, etc., yeah. etc. That'd be good. Um, so that's that's just my my tinfoil there. Okay, next one. Four equipment cards not previously printed in their class for these zones before. Mm. Four. I want. I want any ninja piece that blocks for two, at least. That's all I want. Oh, I guess so, we could get like a ninja chest piece or like a yeah, give me illusionist headpiece. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. God, there's there's so many potentials for that too. Um, yeah. Mech doesn't have a, class an arm we... yet. Um, yeah. I want there to eventually be a mech suite of equipment where they, they run... The equipment is like the weapon. I want the mechanologist to turn into Iron Man and have every piece of equipment be like 10 block and does the deals the damage from the equipment and you and like your dash hero only has like 10 life, but you got to break through all of equipment to get there. And it's just this massive walking mech armor. Power suit mech is an archetype. Your entire deck is yep. just devoted to just powering the suit and the suit yeah. is what and now Voltron is possible in flesh and blood. That'd be fun. Take that right out of command, right out of commander. That's, that's what that's, has nothing to do with this but that's what i want out of equipment in this game but four equipment cards not previously printed in a class for these zones before i hope they all block i think blocking is is so important i think we'll follow up a little more on that later but blocking is such a critical part of the game and i think especially right now um, you're seeing the negative effects of not being able to block with equipment. Well, so I think I it's think... important for some equipment to not block as well. Like things like Snapdragon Scalers, a common equipment that gives you an automatic go again. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why that doesn't yes. block. And like, right, right. So I think that's an interesting uh, balancing piece too. As like, yep, yeah. What blocks and what doesn't? That's a good point. That's why I'm not the game designer. I'm just the hapless player. I'm right there with um, you, though. So, what what is the what is the number one piece of of equipment that is not there? Like, what what area and what what class would you like to see? Hmm. I mean, I've been digging playing on Illusionist lately, so I would like to see either because I mean, we've got like Footsteps is super powerful, and Vestige is really good for Prism, uh, Halo, or I mean, I would like to see, and well, I guess. Dreamweavers wouldn't be an alternative because or an alternative to Dreamweavers wouldn't be a newly printed because Dreamweavers is already illusionist. Um, but like an M headpiece or an M uh, arm piece, I guess in this case, like fitting with their tweet, it would have to be an M headpiece. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what what it would do. Like a reliable way to tuck a card into your soul would be nice. Um, maybe it doesn't have spell void or blocks or anything like that, but just like once per turn oh, action, I put see, a card into your soul. Um, yep. I would like to see something like that as well. For different, I would love to see a Levi- like a shadow brute equipment that helps banish cards. Oh, that'd be good without having to arbitrarily ban. You know. Uh, destroy the boots to well, i think boots already exist for shadow i think hooves of the shadow beast is a shadow brute but um you know breaking breaking something that lets you 
uh, you know, put the top mill three, right? So you can set up turns a little sooner than okay. might otherwise. Uh, uh, in equipment that helps charge, you know, Halo of Illumination with Bolton doesn't work, uh, but something that maybe puts a card, uh, specifically charges a card, anything like that, right? Take those, uh, those. Um, those heroes that need cards in different zones and enable them, you know, set a majestic level, let it give it temper, let it block to make it break it to do something uh, fun that lets you build the, build the deck around it a little bit like courage, courage, of, courage of blade hold for me is like the perfect flesh of blood equipment. Mm. I love it. Courage um, is a good I one. Think more, more of that majestic level does a thing that makes your deck really hum doesn't break the game all all great things um all right we have uh next up an attack that rewards the opponent for defending it this one interest i'm this one's gonna be something like if you if you block this with two non-equipment cards draw a card or something like that yeah yep I can definitely see something like that. Or even, I was thinking about it, right? They have draw a card on Coax of Commotion for everybody. But maybe, like, you would have to really... Um, yeah, I, I guess know, it de- I, I don't know. It depends what they what constitute as a reward. Because even if we look at something like uh, um, Burgeoning Beatdown, where if you defend with two non-equipment cards, it doesn't get its buff. Um, if that's considered mm-hmm. to be a reward, then we might see like more yeah. mechanics like that, where it's even like, um, yeah, if this is defended by two non-equipment cards, the attack doesn't get its buff. Mm-hmm. Or uh, if yeah. you defend this with your entire hand, you gain one intellect at the end of your turn. That'd be interesting. That is a spicy one right there. Let's roll with that one. I like that one. <laughs> All right. Uh, next one up. An arrow attack card, unlike any other. So, in one of the Discord feeds I was I hang out in, uh, we were chatting about this, and somebody suggested an arrow you can pummel. So then somebody else suggested like a, a harpoon, and we started joking about like a Moby Dick, just, just different piercing yeah. utensils. You- you can throw a ballista people. i like it i don't know uh but the, the the main idea was something you can pummel which that'd be interesting yep yep two cost arrow with a to, to be able to pummel it um interesting i don't know what that would that would be either uh ranger's uh a funny funny uh hero with me lexi is uh Lexi is super dangerous. Azalea, not so much. I don't know what they can do. I hope they can do something with Azalea to bring her up a little bit. Um, but uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. Additional arrow attacks are always always making Ranger better. Yeah. Um, all right. And now, now for the big one. Okay. A generic card that destroy that can destroy cards in arsenals. I'll tell you what this isn't. Hmm. This is clearly not Command and Conquer. There's no way. I will, I will say for the, for the sake of all of our sanity, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of want it to be. It would be really nice as, as one of those players who are like, I want more Command Conquerors, but the price is too high, kind of guys. I, uh, <clears throat> I, I would like it for my own selfish reasons so that I can get more of them. I mean, um, you're, you, you are probably it's very right. interesting. Like I, I just when I say that there's no way this is Command and Conquer, it's likely Command and Conquer. Um, yeah mm-hmm. but um it's very what if know, it isn't it, 
what is right let's explore that right so i'm hoping it is but what if it isn't my first question is is it a really good idea to tweet this out the way they did if it's not could they really i feel like it's a it's a risk uh you know you're really you're really leading people on with this one and if you take that away from them oh i think they're gonna be some sour grapes um, yeah for people who expecting command and conquer um but you know so maybe they're trying to move on from command and conquer they still need some way to affect uh someone's arsenal uh what if they you know, maybe maybe this is a twist. maybe it's some command and conquer what if it's like a, oh. a one cost because traditionally we see traditionally we see like uh, in red one for zero for four one for five two for six command and conquer fit in with that two for six theme what if we saw like a, a one for five themed arsenal destroyer or zero for four themed arsenal destroyer something something that may cost four attack that destroys arsenals oh that'd be interesting that is... oh and then had some other thing instead of uh you can't um you can't de-react like instead you can't i don't know um with stuff oh zero cost four attack on hit destroy arsenal and stuff and stuff that sounds like legendary you know what you know what if you're gonna do something like that, I think you gotta at that point make it legendary. Say, so you can't have more than one. One Gany and Tolman right up. Yeah. Okay. And maybe they do something like that. What? Do, and I've always hated how they do this, where like they have like the legendary card type, and then they have the legendary rarity, because I think that's super confusing. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what if on top of making it a legendary card type? something that powerful like something that interacts with your opponent's arsenal at a zero cost was legendary rarity as well yeah yeah uh, that's uh you know if it's at the legendary rarity i'd almost hate to see it because you know, it's like a really yes, supreme yeah. like it's it's a very very right, difficult right. card to obtain i think that's a dangerous game to play i think they have it right with the um equipment and the occasional hero um and that hero i think to make the game work and for people to you know want to play it and do things like that i think they i don't think they can have a legendary rarity for sure um, staple card then you start turning into you start doing into magic gathering a little bit and we don't we don't want that here we we want flesh and blood we don't want magic yeah yeah that's a good point um so what if it destroys your own arsenal but you get a bonus off of it for like mm-hmm. destroy your arsenal they this attack that, gets right? so plus three seeds. i don't know um you know crown of seeds takes away your arsenal tome of harvest takes away your arsenal yep. crown of seeds is maybe one of the uh i've heard some people say it's the best equipment in the game and is the you know it is it is the thing that makes oldham hum uh and it creates untenable scenarios for your opponent and just does just does so much work um so they've started exploring that space of taking away your own arsenal for a benefit you know tome of harvests i think tome of harvest costs too much but that's just just me um but you know take away your arsenal draw three is fantastic um and uh uh you know that's that's uh i can definitely see 
a world where you're playing a card that says, you know, as an additional cost, destroy the cards in your arsenal. Yeah. Uh, you know, and maybe that becomes a Levia staple or something like that, right? Putting just a random six attack in there, and then you putting it in the bin easy, off an attack. You know, there's a, it's a very interesting space there. Um, I, so to sum it up, I think Power Creep on Command and Conquer, bad. Uh, exploring design space for your own arsenal, good. And that's the news. We did it. We got through that's the right. news. <laughs> this was an hour and a half later. We got through the first quarter of the podcast. <laughs> We're gonna get there. We're this is we chop this right up. That's all right. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Now we're gonna move on to this week's main topic. Adam, why don't you tell us a little about our main topic? Here? Yeah. Well, our main topic is a little bit of a continuation of just what's been kind of going on generally in in the meta lately, and that is that we have a new meta. What? When did that happen? <laughs> As of January 17th, uh, today is January 18th. So uh, at the time of recording yesterday, we officially entered a new mm-hmm, meta. Mm-hmm. Um, as we touched right. on the show last week, um, Plunder Run is banned in Classic Constructed. Ball Lightning is banned in Classic Constructed and in Blitz. And on top of that, Briar has the functional errata. Briar can only perform or create a an embodiment of earth uh, the first time an attack action deals damage and that is an important distinction not on hit when an attack action deals damage um so that includes like a, a bramble spark trigger or just just like yeah. it did before um but yeah, yeah just right. your your first time creating an embodiment of earth that is it you get that one and no more but the um, so no more uh seven block the other important to, you know, distinction i think that's there too is that it, it the the errata specifies on the first uh trigger so if you miss the first trigger on your turn you've effectively missed your window to create your embodiment of earth as well so complex game and miss triggers Miss triggers Having matter more often than people. Yeah, they they certainly do, and we've seen that play out uh, in a grand uh, grand scale uh, in some of these games here. For sure, uh, you know, over time. Um, so we we had mentioned uh, in our week in Fab that we played uh, in a Blitz Armory event with the bands in effect. Yeah, and we um, we kind of started to see a new meta emerge from that. I think you have the numbers for it, right? I do, I do. Uh, I'll have them in front of me. So, let's. Uh, how many? What do you think is the most common hero uh, that was played in Blitz? The first day of a ban being in effect. In effect here. I mean, you would speculate. Not to. You would spec. Not to. Not to. Not to drag it out a little. No, bit, for sure. What do you edu- educated guess here? What do you think? You would have thought that I, I think people would have still been wanting to like tinker with Briar and see if they can make Briar work, but I think Briar was one of the least represented heroes for the Blitz meta, right? There, there was a single Briar uh, played in that, and there was 34 participants, I believe we were at, maybe 35 uh, total. Um, but a single Briar 
and they had made uh i can tell you that that briar list was an earth-based briar okay um it had done really well and they only had to take out two cards in their deck interesting replace them with uh one one was an additional red ravenous rabble uh they were playing one uh before then uh and i forget what the other one was to tell you the truth but it was an inconsequential inconsequential uh change to them i had i had discussed a little uh with them after the fact um but uh and they did i believe they three two but missed top cut but it was that was a that was a brutal it was really hard to make top eight last night there there yeah. was a lot of a lot of great players and uh five rounds so you know, bound to break some hearts uh cutting top eight after five with 34 ish yeah and that, that's just bound to happen yeah um but uh top of the top of the numbers uh here were uh old mainstays ira and kano both uh, represented with five okay um next up uh was dory and oldham with four okay um i apologize if that just came through let's try that again no you're uh, good i just got an email oh okay uh yeah i in fact it might have just been in my headphones <laughs> but anyways uh let's see um coming in second place uh for numbers was dory and oldham with four each okay uh, and then uh chain and bravo coming in uh three uh three decks each on the night um viscerai lexi and prism uh both had two and briar reinar and get ready benji each showed uh one deck apiece hey benji you like to see it uh, right love to see benji show up every once in a while um Oldham is really, I think. I think this is a pretty good representation of right the top of the meta. Uh, Ira. So without without the menace of Briar, you've seen some of the old mainstays um, in Ira and Kano. Uh, really, you know, back to basics, so to speak. You know, old familiar voices um, going back. You know when that when someone hits the reset button, what do you know? You know, play what you know. It's kind of like how in uh, I know I just said that this is flesh and blood and not magic, but I know when magic uh, resets its meta, one of the first things that usually wins is a very simple red aggro <laughs> deck. Red deck wins. You know, red deck. Yep, always oh, first three weeks in the season, always red deck wins shows up. Um, not that this is you know the same, but you get your your tried and true. So Kano and Ira, uh, top in that list. Dory, uh, you know, coming in uh, with four. Everyone knows Dory. Dory is a super dangerous puzzle to have to solve. Uh, I like. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I like seeing Oldham uh, being as represented uh, as as Dory, but I get it. Um, and it's it's nice to see a new hero like that really show up and take take hold um and still not uh not completely break things but uh it's definitely that uh, that guardian build is is a you know one of the first true control decks uh i think out of out of flesh and blood like really hard you know fatigue control drag you out and 
waste your time <laughs> you know playing it uh and it does well oldham actually won the event last night okay um, and uh so i think that's a, a very interesting uh sign here at least in this kind of purgatory uh meta between bands and release of a new set here uh, but yeah so what are, what are your uh, what are your takeaways here when you see this this list i'm Kano doesn't surprise me. I've been comfortably playing Kano throughout this, uh, on the Blitz side at least, throughout this uh, this previous meta. And Kano, Kano always has seemed to have his dominant place near the top of uh, of the Blitz meta at least. Um, Ira, I'm actually really surprised to see Ira make a, a comeback. Um, Briar did a really good job of shutting down Ira. And then on top of that, um, old him that the, Ira didn't have a good matchup into old him either. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, Briar's out. Uh, I shouldn't say Briar's out. Briar's finding herself right now. And, um, yeah. old him. And I can say that I, I was one of those. So I, I was running Briar all last season in skirmish and, that's I I won my fighters guild with Briar and going into last night I did not feel comfortable with where it was uh, before the event started so I made the very last second decision um, and I had kind of t- I touched on this at the beginning but very last t- second decision to play Prism but um, I am a hardcore Briar player and I was not ready to bring that into a post-ban meta uh right now still still is a puzzle that needs to be solved um and uh not not there yet um so and to your point like even though even though briar like we've, we've seen iterations of briar um briar is still a new hero compared to um those tried and trusted um heroes like dorinthia mm-hmm. and yeah. bravo and ira and what have you so it, it makes sense that even like this is the first time briar's been shooken up and this is the first time briar needs to be rediscovered after um a meta change so it, it stands to reason that maybe people aren't as comfortable playing briar now uh compared to yeah the other decks that uh people know what they do and how to play them and how to build them yeah i can i can tell you i'm i'm very afraid to correlate my success with a broken band card so i need i need to figure it out as well so that i can not run into a belichick brady discussion if it was the Uh, so I'm, I am looking forward to uh, um, either solving that puzzle or getting good with something else. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. I like I said, I was I was on I was on Prism last night, and that was uh, yeah. And you were on a very interesting exploration there. And like, did you you were on Harold's Prism? Did you see a lot of like like was it fairly easy, fairly hard to enact the Herald strategy that you found? I did. I had the deck that I had um, had I, I would say more auras than I would have would have liked if I was building that out. Um, I felt pretty comfortable running Prism. I didn't think I was going to run into a lot of you know brutes. You know, I uh, I think I had a tough go at it with Oldham, um, but it was still something. I was I was comfortable uh, exploring, um, 
and uh, I did. You know, Kano was uh, uh, my first my first matchup there, and I felt comfortable with it. Um, I do love the, um, you know, the, Prism has those uh, the ability to really go off. Yes, I, and I kept some of the lists I've seen don't have Tome in Blitz, and I I was like, this is insanity. I'm putting Tome uh, two Tomes in because. If it happens, it's just nuts. And if I can get a card in soul and draw three and, you know, maybe do that again, um, it's lights out, right? They can, they, their ceiling is so high with, uh, with go again, six attacks or more, you know, coming at you right to the face that it is, it is one of those, uh, like prism, uh, a prism herald attack turn, uh, getting into tomes, uh, runs the same way as like a, a really solid Lexi three of a kind turn. You know, you get these big momentous turns out of some of these heroes that if you can get it off and that's what Briar channel, right? Channel Briar yep. was, was that, you know, beforehand where, um, especially in blitz trying to set up, you know, Kano is the same way. I think, um, uh, in a, in a different way, but you're, you're, it's almost setting up these OTK-esque um, environments where you're quickly setting up and trying to get someone down from 20, you know, from 20 health uh, as quickly as you can. And some of these heroes can do it uh, very easily in one turn, um, some better than others. And I think Ira uh, especially um, was suffering with Briar because Ira is really – you know, Ira's a control deck at heart and wants to, you know, there's some aggro variants out there, but it wants to block, it wants to block, block, keep a blue, keep a red, Kadachi, Kadachi. Yep. Hit for, you know, hit for five. So your your turn is a, you know, eight damage turn. Play on that late game uh, value. After that. Yeah. And, you, you know, you can do that. Your two card hand is better than, you know, theirs at that point. Yes. So you can, you can block and do stuff. Uh, and still come back and keep your tempo and you're always threatening mask you know so you're forcing blocks uh even if they're not comfortable doing so or they're really risking you go you know go just crazy crazy uh and sometimes those you know those flying kicks coming on the fourth link it's it's tough coming you know being on the other end of that is just tough um and uh talking to one of the prominent ira players um this guy plays only ira ever plays it religiously the only way he doesn't play ira is if he opens up uh if he plays sealed wrath online and then he picks up katsu that's it right um but he was really kind of dejected the last season because briar really put ira in a bad spot um and ira was still like the in terms of like meta representation ira was still one of the top you know top five six heroes to show up in skirmishes and get wins like it was still showing up but in terms of like a if there was a Achilles heel uh, last season, it was it was Briar getting those embodiments and be able to efficiently block out their big attack uh, that they were really putting everything in towards uh, and rendering it, you know, pretty useless. Getting uh, only burning one card from hand and still being able to come back with 
with an even greater attack, it, it really uh, uh, really put Ira in a bad spot uh, against that particular matchup there. Um, so without the threat of that, right, with the, with the errata, you now have uh, Ira mid control back at it. It 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 matches up against most most of these guys uh, pretty fairly at this point. All right, um, so. No, right. If we're, uh, you know, sometimes I think Blitz Chain can high roll, uh, in a really great chain player can can really make it happen. Um, but uh, a lot of these decks at this point are more mid than aggro, and uh, it, it, it develops these, you know, this kind of fair trading balanced game even in the Blitz level, right. Yeah, and that's definitely, I think that's what we were hoping to see out of the ban and what we hope to see more of. And I do think, I mean, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have to wait to see for sure what we get in Everfest and what people, there's always somebody who's got some dark horse figured out that um, can upset the meta. But I I just kind of looking at how things are now from a first glance, I definitely think we have what could be a more balanced meta. Um, I think without the aggro strategies being as oppressive anymore, it opens up room for, like you say, mid-range and control. Um, Like we're going to see... We're going to see, I think, a whole slew of decks that can keep each other accountable now. Like, let's say, for example, Old Tim rises up in popularity. Well, now Prism can come and overtake that. And now if Prism kind of peaks up, then, you know, maybe Bravo and um, Reiner come up to keep Prism a little more accountable. And then, you know, with the rise of of Bravo and, and, and Reiner, then we see Dash kind of take over a little bit and and it's i think we have the the room for this kind of rolling evolving meta now yeah yeah um do you see so last week in our level up we had talked about the archetype triangle yes with with briar out what what do you what is the most prominent aggro deck that you see in the meta right now do you see so a do you see a prominent aggro deck in the meta and b if you don't is that a problem that's a good question um i mean my first thought is can cheerios briar is cheerios briar still viable um and i don't see why not maybe like like because you've still got access to nimbleism and you've still got access to potent cards that can enable briar strategy of all gas and I think that I do think. Sorry, go ahead. Plunder, pl- uh, Plunder Run was was a a massive, massive part of Cheerios Briar. If they can, I think I think Lightning Briar stands a chance if you can effectively implement Electrify back into it, because I do think that card draw is super important. Um, I mean, what if it gets replaced with I, the Belittle Minimalism package? Belittle Minimalism is a very interesting uh, set of cards. Um, I think it is. Um, it's good. It's it. You know, can you utilize that blue pitch? 
if you're going to go yeah. that route. I assume every time I see Belittle, every time I think of Belittle and Minnowism, I'm thinking of getting a blue Minnowism for pitch value and not necessarily the red one for buff effects. 100%. You know, um, so, you know, you see that a lot in Katsu as, as like a blue pitch tutor almost. Um, and I've seen it a lot in Chain lately, but I've seen both versions of Minnowism. But red, yellow doesn't exist. But uh, red, you know, red and blue uh, Minnowisms uh, in Chain and Classic Constructed played to great effect. Even you know, Nimbleism and Nimble Strike in Chain. Not to get on a tangent there. Yeah. Um, but um, it is definitely. Uh, I mean, it's good. It's it's a good set. Can you leverage that into there? What are you taking away from other things? I, anytime you put more generics into uh, into a hero, you're always gonna weigh what you're taking out of that. Um, if you're taking anything productive out of that, uh, one of my problems with where I was with Briar before the start of the uh, start of the night was t- my ratios were way off after t- you know putting the plunder runs back in. Uh, and taking out the electrifies, I realized that my lightning just wasn't my wasn't there, and I wasn't comfortable running with the amount that I had, knowing that I couldn't effectively fuse my entwine lightnings, and I felt like I could potentially have a lot of dead cards in my hand. And then my strategy and the you know potential for what would have been in the arsenal slot was kind of screwed up. And if I wasn't going to be fusing lightning, what could I put in those? And then all of a sudden it just unraveled in front of me. Right. Right. So that's, you know, so when you're in, when you're including something like a belittle in, in minimalism, I suppose I'm asking myself, what am I, you know, what is, what is going in there that, uh, you know, what am I taking out of that when I do that? I don't want to put too many generics into some of these decks. I do think it starts to, muddy the waters for sure a, a bit but um not to discount it uh, belittle minimalism is a you know uh, a very good like a very good set of cards um, and i'm just spitballing at this point admit as well that i'm uh, yeah 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 um i've seen it i've always taken it out of my my katsu bit builds i've seen some very successful players put it in and swear by it and sometimes it's it's a something that gets it escapes me a little bit effective use of the little um you know realizing that i'm I, i've missed on belittle if that makes sense I, i've been in a situation uh, more often than i i would have liked to not be able to reveal the correct card so it's just a three uh, you know, just to three for one and go again without the added benefit and you know weighing deck construction on uh, against something like that is is definitely you know something you got to think about as well. Uh, so you're not missing missing the benefit more often than you're not, uh, which can be said about a lot of cards, but that's that's uh, you know. And I mean that's a what I think about a that. good a good topic for another time too is just like on that deliberate card inclusion and just including cards that um, that are just like really driven for whatever game plan or strategy you're going towards. Um, but for sure, um, you you ask a good question there with aggro, and I think a question that comes to mind based like in response to your question about um, a prominent aggro strategy is. At the core of it, do we consider chain to be aggro or mid range? 
I would this current iteration of chain I would consider a mid-range um but I suppose that's more the speed than anything else um it, I guess it can it, I would say it skews towards aggro now that you're now that we're we're putting the words out there um but it definitely feels slower and taller I will say that so I suppose depending on how your definition of aggro is um and it is it is affected by uh plunder run as well but not as much i think it can definitely recover and it has the cards um to help bring it over the top a bit um but in terms of right it it usually does oh you know let's let's let me backtrack here um yeah i i would consider it uh in aggro aggro skewed mid-range but i guess really well now you're really making me think about it i guess it is kind of an aggro huh it is and it isn't at the same time because it's it it doesn't feel you know i think what's holding me back there is it doesn't feel like an aggro deck because it is hitting so tall and usually i'm I'm usually um associating that with a more mid-range like single tall attack but really it's it's hitting for depending on what you banish, right? It's hitting for like seven, and then you're shackling and giving Rosetta Thorn go again, and then you're hitting for another thing, and so it still feels slower because it it does take some time. But I guess that's really just it doesn't necessarily mean it's not aggro. It still wants to empty its hands. I so I, I mean, chain's comfortable blocking. It's got the I think it's just mostly in the equipment with the carrion husk um but it's still not afraid to put some cards down and it can block out um some turns which i really think you know makes it that you know middle of the road um it's it doesn't have as much difficulty uh with two block non-attacks uh in attacks as it it used to um but um it's still not afraid to block out because uh especially depending on what shackle they're on yeah you know they're not losing as much as the next guy on there and that that ridiculous card advantage with chain is always a ticking time bomb. And I think to I think to your point, the the fact that chain aims to kind of block at certain points and stretch the game out a bit longer to allow it to make it to those late shackles, that within itself defines it as mid range. I think in our uh in our game uh yeah. I, I think like true aggro is right out the gate swinging um no hold back um i think that's kind of a little more the the definition of aggro within flesh and blood so i think based off defining chain as mid-range i don't know if we have a true premier aggro deck anymore i guess mech mech boost has the potential to output huge amount it's very easy to fatigue but it can put out huge amounts of damage so i think it's interesting to see because you know especially when you bring up dash you you're really talking about um flexible decks that can get aggressive with sideboard decisions right you know so most of these decks here even like Prism and Classic Constructed Dash Chain all have uh, the ability to speed up or slow down depending on their sideboard. But in terms of, you know, so I think what, what's not there is like uh, 
Akrukatsu. And I, I have been trying to work on Akrukatsu for um, a little bit. And I thought I, thought I was there. Um, and I, I got some people on board too. And um, I th- it started to break down a little bit. But lo- losing, it, that was with Plunder Run. Um, and losing Plunder Run. Agrukatsu is still, I think, a thing, but it's just not. It doesn't have that big, big attack that it needed to with a plunder run into surging, into surging strike for that eight, uh, eight attack draw. Um, powerful, powerful hit, and that has like completely fallen off the cliff now, and it's difficult to see right now where it could pick up, and that's where I think Everfest. It should come into play um, is producing something for these decks here to give uh, a more viable aggro uh, strategy. Um, though you know, um, what if I've heard very good things about Raiden Bolton, and I consider that an aggro deck because you really yes, need that's a good point. All as your well. cards, um, and you really can't afford to block uh, with with cards in hand and. Um, it is uh, it's pretty well positioned in this uh, you know kind of purgatory meta right now. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, I might be influenced because I just saw Jimmy Lee on YouTube. And Jimmy, oh, Jimmy's a notorious uh, warrior player though as well. Oh yeah, he's uh, second to none with uh, that Raiden uh, Raiden build. It's crazy. Yeah, but even he, you know, he he went hybrid uh, for for most of. Uh, in his, I think he went to one of the Vegas calling. He was playing hybrid uh, uh, Bolton. There, I was really personally rooting for just pure, pure Raiden. Ah, uh, fair. But, um, but yeah. So like, if if Raiden, if, if I keep calling it Raiden, but it's Bolton, Bolton Raiden. Um, if if it can take advantage of that, that's definitely I think a, a, a pretty solid aggro uh, there. I wish Dorinthia would show up a little more. I feel like Prism holds Dorinthia back. I hear that's like a terrible. terrible yeah, so classic and Dorinthia. More Prism comes up. Dorinthia. Dorinthia kind of struggles oh, yeah. to the fact that like her reprise is shut off by Prism. Prism can say no blocks, yeah. not uh, no damage hits, and Dorinthia has literally right. got Take nothing. Take my shields yeah. and yeah, move on with your life. So that's that's why yeah. uh, Dorinthia struggles in a, a Prism heavy meta, and just Prism or Dorinthia doesn't have the tools she needs to pop um, pop uh, um, heralds. So. Um, so I th- it's a very it's interesting to really digest th- these things because it's like um, I don't necessarily have a problem with a mid-range heavy meta um, with some control elements and the ability to sideboard into an aggressive plan but i personally that's just like my that's my christmas wonderland yeah. right there is just balanced you know mid value everything value block value attack that's that's exactly where i want to be in my gameplay um but i had a lot of fun with briar was too good right i do think something needs to step up and be not briar but uh it a benchmark aggro deck should be found here and if not right now um 
excuse me, uh, when Everfest comes out. Now, Kano is another one that he has the potential to be a really big aggro powerhouse if thing if the meta goes unchecked and it allows him to to do his thing and his is his is like i mean i i think aggro is important to keep the meta accountable um i my my gut feeling tells me that this is going to be the rise of either mid-range or control at this point i've had that gut feeling before i thought that going into Everfast or not going into tails and that wasn't the case but now with plunder run being nerfed my my gut feeling is that it's gonna open up enough wiggle room for for the meta to balance out and for um, slower strategies and more reactive strategies to start to, to come forward. But yeah, I, I think from an aggro standpoint, uh, like Kano's another one that will force the meta to, to remain accountable. And like if if you don't, especially now that Plunder runs out, if you don't run Null Rune, Kano can roast you. And um yeah, so so it's going to be, and if you do run Null Rune, then Kano really doesn't have a leg to stand up on, uh, barring that we get something really a really useful tool for Kano in um, in uh, Everfest. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I really want to sleeve up my um, my Prism kind of react and pitch stack and, and lock you out of the game that way or a strategy. Uh, I think that one's a fun one to revisit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to revisit. I mean, I do want to explore with some... I, I, I feel inclined to explore with Bravo now. Uh, I've never felt inclined to explore with Bravo before. Uh, that... Um, I don't know why Bravo just never um, appealed to me up until this point, but I, I I think Bravo's definitely got room to. Fl- he always was good in the meta, but he's really got room to flourish now in the constructed yeah, I think meta. Bravo Bravo's always been one of those ones. If they're not, <clears throat> if Bravo's not A, it's at least B. Yeah, you know, it's it never drops too low. Um, but those are the OG heroes always seem to hang around. Um, a little bit. Reinar doesn't get enough respect either, but I think Reinar is like your quintessential like mid range hero. Yeah, it wants to, you know, it, and and Levia is an offshoot of that, but that's you know it wants to block a few, um, and then swing swing for a little uh, leak damage through six at a time here. You know, it, pinging you a couple times each, and still uh, maybe once or twice. Uh, getting go again or hitting super tall, the you know getting the big intimidate turn, uh, but you're really driving towards a uh, you're using all those attacks and then coming in with a you know trying to target like a reckless swing uh, for the kill more often than not. Yeah, but that that uh, um, Reinar is one of those uh, guys that I, I don't think sees uh, enough play, um, and this is a, one of the, right now I feel like this is like. Uh, when a meta resets, uh, Reinar always tends to show up. Yeah. Um, in you know, in some form, because its matchups are never like everything's fifty percent uh, the matchup wise with Reinar. So yeah. your odds of winning are just as good as anything else. So why not Reinar? Well, and I think Reinar's uh, and an excellent Reinar player is. is out of this world you can you can they can really mess yeah you. and i, I think reiner's kind of like a, a brute in general is a, a bit of a just a, a good a check a a check and balance for the meta and b is a litmus yeah. test for the mm-hmm. meta so we see reiner come you know come out of the savage lands come explore a bit and and, and see if, if it's his time and if if brute really starts to, to pull forward then we're going to see more brutes start to pop up and if uh 
and like i think if we see prism kind of come to the rise then i think we'll see more brutes come and follow uh suit and if we don't see prism then we we won't see the the brutes um furthermore and then yeah and that's where i think like that's where i think our our meta truly is going to be a balanced meta where like right now that mind you i i'm no i i'm no savant but i i don't see i don't see any one strategy currently poised to overtake the meta yeah me neither i think there's a lot of different i mean we've had a lot of time we've seen we've talked about bravo we've talked about you know chain and classic yeah viscerai is probably uh one of the top the top deck consensus wise right now it doesn't seem like anyone can keep viscerai in check. well once again um, though if viscerai goes otk uh prism has a mm-hmm. great matchup into otk viscerai um and if prism yeah, if if viscerai yeah. goes aggro then kano has a great matchup into viscerai so yeah. even viscerai uh, i think there are decks there to keep him accountable yeah i think so too it is it is to that point it is incredibly balanced right now it is uh it is a very interesting place to be, and I I really enjoy it. For being honest, I think it's I think it's great. the The balance in this game is one of the selling points more than anything else. Yeah, uh, the ability to pick up almost any hero uh, and know that if you build it correctly and play it right, is a viable hero. Yes, um, and that's that's very uh, very interesting. And, you know, I still think, you know, I think, uh, I don't think Briar's done. No, 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 um, me neither. You know, not by a long shot. Um, I think it just needs to take, you know, I think I think t- time will heal those wounds and uh, a viable, highly competitive Briar deck will come out of it. Um, will it be S tier? Maybe not, but I, I don't think we're looking for s tier decks well and i right. i think with plunder I, I, run getting banned the, the bar for s tier got lowered um yes yep yeah you, you need to you're relying more on your own class cards and like your your resources to create your um your tempo advantages yes. you're not you're no longer have this crutch of plus three draw card um that was supporting, you know, and it was supporting Cheerios Briar, and it was supporting Agrikatsu, um, and uh, to a lesser extent, um, you know, Chain. But it was, it was, uh, you, 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 I was, I would say that my blinders were on, um, and then it left, and it was like, wow, you know. <laughs> It was really broken. I I had to change a lot of my decks out uh, to uh, get to clear out the plunder. We were like, we were okay, so deep know? in the fog that we couldn't even see how. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's you know, funny. There's something to be said uh, for that, you know. And that's why I, I appreciate LSS for doing it. Um, like I, I had mentioned this last week, but in terms of how i feel about like the game after the bands i'm pretty pretty unfazed this game is you know not to get on my soapbox this game is great and uh the fact that we're having this discussion right now about like which hero is is top and not being able to really determine that is a a, a super healthy sign um i do think in terms of uh you know archetypical 
diversity, there still does there needs to be some balance uh, changes, uh, and I think that comes with the time of brewing. I think one of those uh, uh, Flesh and Blood isn't an online based game, right? So you're not seeing the meta being solved at instant speed like you are in other TCGs right now, and I think it's to their advantage. Um, and it helps the player base on a competitive level to have that kind of grassroots, secretive brewing, rogue, you know, rogue brew coming out of nowhere. You know, like Cheerios Briar was that. It got leaked, but, you know, that was someone discovered that. Tariq Patel, you know, discovered that and kept it a secret for a month before it showed up at UK Nets. Yep. Well, there were, you know, and uh, the Cincinnati uh, ProQuest had that lightning uh, variant as well. But even that guy, I think, just heard about it, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, like, the leaks were already happening. That that UK Nats was supposed to be, like, the debut um, of that deck. But they had kept it under wraps for some time. Yeah. Uh, there. And it's just fun to know that, like, that's happening out there. Right? There, there are people putting in the time. You know we're 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 part of a playtest group. It's gonna putting in the time and, and uh, you know seeing seeing what's out there and, and what's working. And there are elements to those groups where you, know, you get the you get the the brewers out there to try and figure out you know concepts that people aren't thinking about. And uh, you get those people to fine tune that, and you end up with a with a creative you know deck that is unexpected and you can ride that right into you know proquest season yep yeah i and it's a you know it reminds me of the glory days of some other tcgs <laughs> well i think we're uh we're building up to our own glory days and uh yeah right kind of reaching the golden age uh like, we're, we're establishing the golden age and uh i couldn't be more excited to be a part of it anything else on the new the new meta um, I do think um, I think it's it's important to uh, so some people kind of take this time off, um, but uh, you know I, I may have broached this a little bit before, but this is a great time to kind of set your set your expectations, right? What what decks are you good with? What decks have you not used and want to explore to see if they fit this? This moment between the 17th and the 4th is a great time to um, hone, hone your skills, um, establish what decks are your strong suit right now. And so when you are uh, inundated starting next week with a deluge of previews, you can start to see where those cards may or may not fit into the decks that you are comfortable playing with. No set that's come out um, yet has completely turned things as far uh, I'm a young player. I don't know yet. Um, but like there are people who've been playing Bravo, you know, Bravo, Reinar, you know, Katsu, etc. since they, they came out. Um, no set has come out and really completely taken uh you know uh, taken people completely out maybe briar a little bit when it came in but um, chain as well you're gonna have your 
say chain again. as well i'd say yeah chain chains chains are very well um but there's still a lot of people out there that were that were running like their favorite that's decks. fair and to to be able to establish a baseline right now so you know maybe let me take a step back using this time now is a great time to establish your baseline going in and you'll need that if you're uh you know looking to be productive with your time once everfest comes in um, there might be something in there that makes you completely discard everything that you've ever ever done but your starting point is going to be with what you're comfortable with yes. and that's what happens when a meta resets right you're either going to go you're either exploring what you're comfortable with and honing your skills and and you know strengthening your strengths um, or you're exploring trying to break what those comfortable things are for some people but um you know by the time everfest comes down um it's it's healthy to have done some additional research uh you know played some games that uh you're not used to playing um and getting getting better at the game and establishing that baseline so that when everfest does come out you can uh, you know where the cards are going to go or at least a good you know a feeling about you know what you'll do with them yeah yeah no i i agree with that and i think even to like further add on that um this isn't just particular to to the to figuring out this meta but just in general um the people who really want to succeed and do big things with this game um this is your time to to gain a leg up and improve your game while other people are taking their time off um you know work on your work on your pivot turns work on your pitch stacking work on your fundamentals and when other people come out of hibernation and start testing again you've already got all that time and experience that other people may not have and that can also help um set you apart and give you a leg up moving forward I think that brings us into level up this week, this week on the, uh, on, uh, the, the level up moment, we are going to be talking about, um, a pretty big fundamental, um, the art of equipment blocking and right off the bat. Um, I don't know, Pat, did you have anything you wanted to, to, to highlight with, uh, equipment blocks? Absolutely. Turn zero full block with all your armor. And then you don't have to worry about blocking with it for the rest of the day. <laughs> Just get it out of the way early with. <laughs> Just get it out of the way. Um, I So blocking with armor is a very, uh, it, it's a crucial part of the game. Um, blocking in general uh, it can be a concept while simple to, you know, just simple approach to think about, right? You want to prevent damage from coming through, so you're going to block. Using armor uh, is is super important. Blocking as a concept in the game um, is one of those ones that it's a, it's a simple concept at first, but uh, using it effectively is what what levels you up, what takes you to the next uh, next phase of the game where you can become more successful. Um, you see a lot of beginners afraid of taking any damage, and so they'll do anything that they can to prevent that damage. Um, one of the uh, one of the important concepts of the game is the difference between uh, an uh, on hit effect and vanilla damage. Um, vanilla damage very rarely is a reason to block, even if it seems kind of high, right? So if I'm facing Bravo, 
Um, and they're coming in with Crippling Crush, right? 11 damage, discard two cards at random uh, if it hits. If it's at, if you're at 40 life and you're going to take 11, it's a big hit, but and it's like a quarter of your Right, quarter of your life. It's a, it's a lot, right? You can go down to 29, you're going to lose two cards. Um, it stinks. Um, but Crippling Crush at the, at the beginning of the game, dominated, um, is going to hurt you a lot less than that Crippling Crush, dominated, is going to hit you when you're at two. Yep. And one of, one of the difference makers uh, on those two scenarios is... Um, where your armor is going to be available uh, when that happens. So blocking is is uh, something that, that is best used as a uh, more surgically than kind of just blanket, right? Unless unless you're playing this, you know, completely fatigued, block out everything regardless. There's still you know sort of method to a madness when that uh, to the madness when that happens, um, but. Uh, the the crux of it is that the later that you are able to hold on to your armor, the more suited, uh, the more prepared you are for that end game. Being blocking with your armor is going to be one of the more important things that you do because it enables you to do um, a, a few different things. Um, w- one of those is enabling your pivot. Yes, if you can use your armor late to block. A powerful attack you're preserving cards from hand and you're you're better able to transition to your pivot turn uh when you do that if you're able to have six plus you know six seven block on your armor you have skull cap you know skull cap chest piece that blocks two so fists uh, uh arms that block two you know and the skull caps on you're you can block six late um, very rarely are you gonna, you know, have all six available, you know, at the very last moment of the game. But, um, you know, being able to preserve life and cards at the important moment, especially when those cards are the ones that you want to use uh, to help f- swing the game into your favor, that's when you want to use that armor. Uh, blocking out with armor, using Bravo as, as an example, if I'm blocking out with my armor. I've got a handful of cards, and now I can activate. Excuse me. Uh, activate Bravo. Give give my crush card. Dominate. I have a pummel and arsenal. I have everything set up, and I didn't have to burn two blues blocking out so that I can't do that. Anyways, I've used my armor, and then I can turn around and I can now attack late with a crippling crush. That's dominated with a pummel because I was able to preserve cards in hand. Um, alternatively, you can stop somebody else's pivot doing the same thing, right? If they're setting up that late game, uh, we talked about plunder run a lot. So in the before times, you know, they would try to set up a late plunder run where, uh, hopefully they burned your armor. Uh, but if, if you were able to keep your armor in place, uh, they would, uh, Akatsu would play a plunder run into a surging strike attack for eight. If it, eight go again if it hits draw a card. Um, there's a lot of different things that can happen in that. But if you're able to block out that attack, they're really a ish creek without a without a paddle, unless they you know had the Christmas land draw of you know, gust wave into into uh, McGenshi release right there. Um, but those those aspects being able to prevent somebody else's pivot turn 
um, is almost as good as getting your own pivot turn and can really shut down uh, their uh, their game plan and uh, start to turn the game in your favor. Yeah, totally. I And I think um, pivot turns are one of the biggest times we are using uh, our equipment to block. Um, and I, I do want to heavily emphasize that not just blocking vanilla damage because you're afraid to take damage. Um, this is one that I see constantly people do. They go, oh, you know, it's it's 11 or it's 12 or whatever. And I, I just, I'm scared to take that much damage. If I'm not being put into an, an area where I'm then being put into a life total where now I can't, I, I, I can't prevent myself from losing the game. Let's say, for example, going to one against warrior and then coming in with a weapon attack and now they uh, steel blade shunt you and uh, it's one unblockable damage or um, going to um, whatever life total against somebody who presents arcane and they present more arcane damage than you can um, than, than you can out outlive um or even going to two against a brute and then they can reckless swing you to death um sh- like that's short of of blocking to keep myself out of those life thresholds yeah that's the other time i'm, I'm yeah I, i'm either gonna use my equipment to uh, enable a pivot turn or i'm gonna use it to prevent a very critical on hit trigger which is probably uh, which is probably yeah preventing an opponent's uh an opponent's uh pivot turn um likely and no no equipment or so no opponent is going to win the game turn zero or turn one for that matter right classic constructed it's a, it is a long dragged out game even the quick ones can be uh, take some time and take several turns. Yeah. So no one, no one attacking. If they hit everything that they ever wanted to hit on turn one, you're not going to lose the game on that on that turn. Um, you have to be really comfortable with your deck, and there is that that fear. I know that fear. I I feel that fear sometimes, where you just want to. Uh, you know, you just want to block it. You don't want them to draw that one more card. You don't want them to have that one more on hit. Um, but the reality is that no matter what they do in the first couple turns, there there's very little they can do that will seal the game at that moment. Which means you can you can usually take the hit. You can you can take the hit. Right, these are your options. You can take the hit and have the effect you'll lose your life and you'll potentially enable some sort of on hit where you might have to discard a card or give them a card um and they may be able to continue on their turn but it's it won't win them the game alternatively you can block with the cards in hand you have not lost your your game if you don't hold on to the cards that you have in your hand early and that's what they're there for. That, that is one of the three things that these cards do, right? They pitch for a resource, they attack, and they defend. So when you defend with these cards, especially early, you're, you're performing a function of those cards. And being able to recognize that your armor is there for very special occasions and that all other blocking should be through your hand... Um, recognizing that your hand while 
if you were able to preserve all four cards in your arsenal would create a splendid turn you're very rarely going to have that opportunity in in the game and it is okay to put two cards or three cards down and have one left and do something less spectacular and splashy than you would have otherwise because you've preserved you know you've you've preserved some of your your life and you've extended that game uh, further and you've stopped them from doing something splashy and sexy in their own right yeah um, and being able to do that work through the game into that pivotal moment where now you have the opportunity to use less than the cards you know you can block with a card and several pieces of equipment that preserve your life and cards in hand and now you have your you have your pivot turn now you can do that splashy fun thing um at the right time and that's how that's how games get won yep yep uh and that's and that, that that's such a huge just part of flesh and blood in general is that like making the right decision at the right time is the difference is usually the difference maker between um winning or losing um yeah and, and you can usually track your if you lose a game or you, you, if you win or lose a game you can usually pinpoint that decision point um in the game and it's very rarely the last moment in the yeah, game it's right it is it is somewhere in the early to mid game where someone made that suboptimal play they blocked with that armor they took they took that hit to keep a card in hand that ended up not doing everything that they wanted it to do um and it probably should have been a block three instead of you know whatever else it was um and then when that you know that battle war encounter doesn't rear its ugly head again until you're at three life you know and, and they attack dominated for five and you can't can't do it you can't stop yeah it. now the, the the thought about like when to use a lot of different equipment is definitely different uh depending on the piece of equipment depending on whether it has temper versus battle worn versus blade break and you know depending on your life total your opponents like there's so many decisions and we there, it's impossible for us mm-hmm. to to dip into all of them but there there's two key pieces of equipment probably the two that see the most play out of any equipment that i do want to that i do want to touch on uh and those are um skull cap and tunic um mm-hmm. skull caps a very interesting one because skull cap has that variable block bonus depending on whether you're at a, a lower life total than your opponent and skull cap does put you in positions where it's actually correct to block vanilla damage or make blocks that you wouldn't normally make with other pieces of equipment at that time and the reason being is because of the fact that skull cap is only at its best when you're at a lower life total than your opponent and if you ever do find you're in that situation where you want to where it's not where you want to where you're possibly going to pivot and you're maybe no longer anticipating that you will be at a lower life total than your opponent for the rest of the game you might be in a position where you want to use your skull cap sooner than later i i i, I caution that you 
you make sure it's still like uh, either an efficient block or that it, you know try to look for that that convenient on hit trigger or something that um, that you can mitigate and, and get the most value out of it. But skullcap is one where um, yeah, it's um, you sometimes do want to block with it sooner rather than later. Um, right, you still want to get that value. Exactly, you still want to, it. it if you're you want to get that three block value out of it, so you'll get that sometimes suboptimal block a little early. If you know that it's the only time you'll get the full block value, uh, yeah. it. it does feel bad to block two total with it for the game if you get that. Yeah, exactly. And then tunic is the other one that that presents really interesting um, play points because. Uh, tunic being blade break right away you're I, I think a lot of people default to well why do I ever want to block with tunic if I can get another resource out of it and an important question to always ask yourself is will this game go another three turn cycles because if the answer is no that makes your decision to utilize tunic a lot easier. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that blocking with tunic is correct in that moment, because the, the the next question I'm always asking myself with tunic is, do I need to block with tunic? Because sometimes, sometimes even though you maybe want to hold on to all the cards in your hand, maybe your hand only needs three cards. And then within that, it's like, okay, well, I can I can comfortably give up a card. And now maybe I don't need to use a piece of equipment to block. So that is, um, those are kind of two really, or a few really key questions I always ask myself when, I, when I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to block with equipment. And I've more and more so have been trying to, experiment with just blocking later and later with my equipment and if this isn't a perfect heuristic there are times where it is correct to block earlier than later um but i've found for the most part the later i can keep my equipment around the happier i am like you might think in a moment you're in a jam where it's like oh this this is the perfect time to block with my equipment but then you'll find a couple turns down the road, you'll be in that next moment where it's like, oh, this would have even been a better time to have my equipment. Now, you, you, if you make it through an entire game, and you, especially if you lose and you haven't used your equipment, you waited too long to block with your equipment. But the, yeah, the, yeah. there's definitely a balance. Yeah, there, there. there is. But the, the rule of thumb is, yeah, the later, the later you can keep your equipment up, the better it will benefit you. Especially with Skullcap and Tunic in particular can be kind of, I don't want to call them trap cards, but, um, you know, they're not always the be-all, end-all in their slots. Yes. Granted, they are best in slot for a lot of things, a lot of times. Um, But especially if you are... uh, if you if your game plan is built around the idea of not lasting six turns, um, is tunic the right equipment for you? Can, if you're using it for the resource more than the block, um, there are other things out there like heart and cross strap, um, or ether ether iron. Oh, leaves, ether iron uh, is an amazing card. The fact that it's uh, battle worn instead of blade rake, yeah. I think people are sleeping on that yep. card. 
Yeah, and it's uh, if you do what if you do what Rune Blades do, it's two resources on demand. Like it's 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 there. a command and conquer um, at the end of your turn, or yeah, it, it certainly or, is. Or yeah, there's it's it's so valuable in that late game, um, and the, the fact yeah that just that one in particular, the fact that you can block early with it and then still keep it around, versus yeah like tunic yeah. where yeah. once you block with it, it's gone. Yeah, right. Right, you're you're gone. You're, it's gone after that. So you're weighing. Are you playing tunic because you want that resource and you want the opportunity to block? You right. It's a it's a fine line between using get, holding it holding on to it to use that resource, and then blocking with it. Um, I find, and this this gets into more tangents, but. Um, especially when it comes to like either iron weave how many resources am i realistically going to use um and will some of those be wasted if i do the conversion math right if i use briar as an example right tunic a tunic resource equals four damage ether iron weave while using two resources how realistic am i to use that second resource more often than not if my deck's built around utilizing effectively those two resources i feel great about it i do feel kind of irksome when i am using an iron weave or a heart and cross trap and using one of those resources you know or resource discount and cross trap uh turns um in which case i'll still use a tunic if that's if that's the case but um, being able to make that kind of um, assessment, it, it, I think that is like another, another level up moment. But uh, understanding chess pieces, resources, uh, and how they go, how they fit well into your deck, uh, is definitely something uh, something to think about. On top of uh, you know when when to break your tunic uh, to save your life. Um, and Skullcap is uh, Skullcap is great for block three. But there's so many good headpieces out there that have a sweet utility. Like Hope Merchant's Hood is so good. It's so good. It doesn't block. And, you know, everyone will ignore it. But um, being able to mulligan your hand and find and, and, and draw into what you need at instant speed, that's a powerful, that's a powerful ability. And especially in decks that require you to have a specific card type in your hand at the right time, uh, the ability to reroll is fantastic. And if if you're already built around either you know not blocking or you know or blocking a lot from hand so that you're not using your armor as much for that kind of thing um there's definitely stuff out there hey halo illumination for prism um you know ebonfold uh all those things uh those are those are great headpieces uh you know and not everyone's gonna have the power to you know every, people especially with skull cap um sometimes um overestimate their ability to pay the arcane barrier uh when it when it comes up you have to pay three to get arcane barrier three uh in your skull cap and if you're running a bunch of reds you might not uh might not be getting there uh when it matters so just some some things to think about uh with armor as well yeah it's yeah whether that last life 
that last point of life total can make the difference between you eking out the victory or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the, at the end of the day, block late. Yeah. Because it matters. That's the best heuristic <laughs> I think we can instill out of any, if that's the, the best thing we can, we can give you out of this is yeah. Don't, don't block unnecessary vanilla damage and just wait for that late that yep. late pivot blo- or that late block that you need and you'll be happy you have your equipment Absolutely. then. Yep. Well, uh, this was a long one, a lot to talk about. Um, I think we've, uh, did you, do you have anything else there, Pat, before we look at wrapping up I here? I don't know if I could possibly add to this. This is, this, this covered a lot of bases. Yeah. Before we wrap here, um, our usual plugs uh we are on uh we are on all streaming platforms on uh apple on apple's podcast on spotify um on google podcasts um you can google search uh, the combat chain podcast and you'll find you'll find us or just search the combat chain podcast on any uh, streaming platform uh we are also on youtube um youtube we're uh, i think currently at 36 subscribers and that's where we're really trying to uh push the following right now um in addition to that we are to help push that um that following uh we are doing a uh youtube subscriber uh contest uh when we hit uh 100 um subscribers we will be raffling off a uh a cold foil data doll and some game genic deck boxes so great Go check that out. Hit the like and subscribe button. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter. Pat, what's uh, what's your Twitter? You can find me at uh, my Twitter handle is at Pat Smash Good. Uh, you can find the Combat Chain Twitter at at the handle at the Combat Chain. And we can find Adam at at Fom Tulery TCG. Yeah, that's correct. I am. Uh, Pat's definitely the more active one of us too, but I am working on stepping it up and uh, being a little more present in the social media realm. Um, lastly, we do have our Patreon that we are trying to get going. Um, at this point, we're just trying to cover some hosting fees. Um, so if you can... Uh, anything you can do to to help out there we're not asking much we're not really if you can't do anything at all that's fine too uh we're just happy that you guys are listening but um anything is much appreciated and the uh funnily enough right now our uh patreon you can't even search us on search the combat chain on patreon to find us for some reason uh but uh i will link uh, everything on the uh on the the youtube video so uh if you're trying to find anything uh, any way to interact with us uh we are we are available there and i think that's all we've got for this week until next week we're uh clo- we're closing, closing the combat, the chain. combat chain we're gonna we'll get, we'll get there <laughs> thanks for listening guys we appreciate you Until next week, we're uh, closing. The closing. Uh, Oh, God. All right. We'll try it one more time. All right. Here we go. One more time.